Hey, everybody. Nathan King here with the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody of our promo we have running right now with our sponsors, Home Field Apparel. You guys can go to homefieldapparel.com and new customers can get 15% off their first purchase with the code Auburn Undercover. That's Auburn Undercover, all one word, all caps. If you guys don't know, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what Home Field Apparel is, it's a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. It's incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs, including a lot of really, really cool Auburn stuff. You guys know better than anybody that Auburn's got some really cool old logos and designs from back in the glory days. And so they've taken advantage of that and gone back, made some really creative sweatshirts and T-shirts and even some joggers. You guys go check it out, Home Field Apparel. Com. They just launched a new Auburn shirt on October 9th that's honoring Auburn's first national championship season back in 1957. What they did was, and Homefield goes back and they dig through all kinds of old archives in order to find the coolest designs they can, they can get their hands on. They went back and found a postcard that was from that 1957 team that Auburn sent out and has a picture of an old obby holding up the Associated Press 1957 National Championship trophy. So if that sounds cool to you, you guys can go to homefieldapparel.com and get that on a t-shirt and you can get 15% off that purchase if it's your first purchase. Again, the code is Auburn Undercover, all one word. That's Auburn Undercover, all one word, homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Back here with our roundtable edition of the show. So, I, of course, I am joined by Jason Caldwell and Mark Murphy to talk about Auburn's game on Saturday night in Columbia in Williams-Brice Stadium for the second straight season, of course, because this game was already scheduled. And then last year you threw together the all-SEC conference-only schedule and Auburn was upset 30-22 by the Gamecocks, but new regimes on both sides of the ball, excuse me, for both teams, Shane Beamer at South Carolina replaces Will Muschamp, obviously Brian Harson in his first season at Auburn. And um, the thought was, you know, when we looked at this schedule, something me and Jason talked about earlier in the week was um, that this was a little bit of an easier game, possibly the easiest game on Auburn's SEC schedule. Um, now you look at it and Auburn's obviously got the situation with Bo Nix being out, TJ Finley in it, quarterback. We're going to talk about the game and what that means for Auburn having a new quarterback in there and how it affects their chances in this game. But guys, you know, we got kind of some better context this week on both of the the starting positions that are out. Bo Nix, no longer Auburn's quarterback. He's out for the season. Um, Anders Carlson is also out for the season. Got more details on his injury that is a torn ACL. So he will not be playing um, for the rest of the year. And Mark, we'll, we'll shift to that one first, actually, because, um, you know, We'll talk about the quarterback position ad nauseum, but it's probably going to be, well, it's not probably going to be, Brian Harson said it's going to be between a couple walk-ons um, playing on Saturday, a couple talented guys, but uh, walk-ons nonetheless. And so um, guys who've had a little bit of experience in the past, but not much, talking about Ben Patton um, and Evan McGuire. And, and from what Brian Harson said, as we record this Wednesday night, um, what he said on Tiger Talk, it sounds like both might have an opportunity to play. Um, in this game in Columbia? Yeah, I think it's going to be Ben Patton. He's the one who uh, has kicked in the game before. He kicked uh, kicked off twice in 2019 as a true freshman, and he kicked extra point then. And he's also kicked an extra point this year, and he's left-footed. 
I like watching him uh, kick. He's he's very accurate, and uh, I think he's going to be the guy. Evan McGuire, you know, might end up being the kickoff guy. I'm sure they're probably competing this week and letting the coaches look look it over there. So uh, the big the big deal with this is you got a left footed kicker coming in this week. So you know, is everything going to be smoothly operated? Well, probably will be because you know they've been snapping to him since spring training. So I think they should be good to go on that front. You know, just talking about the overall kicking game, Nathan, I thought it was pretty interesting that the head coach said uh, on Monday, he pretty much uh, um, was made it known that he was unhappy with SEC officiating the way they've called some of these penalties on the returns. And uh, almost had some really good returns negated on kickoffs. And I think they even had one or two on punts this season too. And, uh, you know, he he just doesn't th- like the way it's being called. And uh, so I haven't heard anything about getting fined from the SEC office for being critical of the officials, but he certainly was. And, uh, you know, if you look at Auburn's starting possessions on offense this year, they, the position is just horrible. And one of the reasons for that is they haven't had a lot of uh, return yardage this season. So uh, that's we're going into game 11 and almost every possession Auburn has started has been on its minus side of the 50 yard line, Nathan. Yeah. That's going back even to the, I can remember the Ole Miss game. Um, so all throughout the month of November, obviously I, I don't know the exact number of them, but it against Ole Miss, there was a point where it was like three or four consecutive kickoff returns um, that were being flagged. And like you said, good returns by guys like Nehemiah Pritchett um, and Jarquez Hunter just being, completely X'd out. And so um, you're right. We'll see how Auburn adjusts to that this week. We'll see if they just start fair catching it. Cause I, that was something Brian Harson, I think kind of sarcastically, but I think it was the question you asked Mark earlier in the season, just said, you know, we, we might as well start doing that if we're going to get flagged for him every time. And maybe that was kind of the Genesis of some of these um, frustrations he had with the officials. Um, Jason, the other position obviously is quarterback. Um, we got a chance to talk to TJ Finley today um, as part of Auburn's player interviews. Um, definitely I've enjoyed talking to him every time we have this season. Um, definitely one of the better overall player interviews of the entire year. I think, um, he just kept on going and going with really, really insightful stuff, um, from, from stories about how he landed at Auburn during this transfer recruitment, um, all the way up until apparently last week he was on the phone, um, with Cam Newton. Yeah, it's, uh, you're right. It was probably, probably was the best interview we had all year. You're right. Um, you can see why he's a guy that his teammates kind of gravitate to. He's got that personality. Um, and he, he, he's still just a young guy. I mean, that's the thing, you know, he's, he's a guy that's, that's not this 22 year old grizzled veteran. He's still a young kid. Um, you know, he's, his size doesn't make him look that way. Um, it's, it's really an interesting game when you think about him in this offense for the first time as a starter, he's got some playing time, which is important. He's got some playing time in, in key situations, which is important. But now you look at it and go, it's your job. Nobody else there. Um, you're getting the first team reps. They're building their offense around you. Um, and and um, how do you respond? I, I think it's uh, when you think about the scenarios for Saturday, it's easily the the thing that you point to that goes, oh, man, this, this makes it a really intriguing game. Um, it's going to – every game is, is big and important when you only play 12 of them. But it makes, it makes a really intriguing game when you go T.J. Finley, 
Um, what does this offense look like? Um, will we see Kobe Hudson at all? Uh, you know, from the way that Brian Harson has has answered the question, it sure doesn't seem like that's going to be happening. Um, I still think, you know, can Auburn run it um, against anybody um, with a pulse? They have, haven't really done that to this point this season. They've had their times, but can they line up and run the football and do those things? But T.J. Finley's a kind of a pocket passer. Um, you know, can you stand in there and protect him? And, and you know, the South Carolina defense has some some guys, but this is not George and Alabama or Texas A&M that's going to get after you rushing the passer. I um, look forward to, to seeing T.J., to see how he responds. We know one thing, he'll be locked in and ready to go because he's, uh, he's he talked about the preparation that he's put in. Um, I think he is prepared for this moment. Uh, can can the guys around him play and play for, you know, this team hasn't played 60 minutes since Akron. Can they play a 60-minute football game Saturday? Because, you know, that's, that's what it's going to take for them. Yeah, Mike Bobo on Tiger Talk tonight, kind of echoing the same things everybody has said about T.J. Finley. So it's interesting to see that said by his head coach, by his teammates, and now by his offensive coordinator who's been – separate from those conversations that the guy has prepared himself like a starter all season long, which is, you know, obviously, and, and I think Mike Bobo even said, you know, it sounds like coach speak, but it's, it's what you want. It's what you want out of your backup quarterback to be hanging in the wings there um, and preparing like he's going to go in at any time. Bobo said that he tells quarterbacks and he has throughout his career. Um, I think he maybe made a joke about maybe he should stop doing this because of what happened, but he said, you know, you're an ankle away from playing that's what he tells them and obviously this this situation um it came to be in that exact way talking a little bit about setting things up around finley mark this is the second worst um rushing defense auburn's going to play in the sec the season old miss is the only one um that's worse can auburn get things going on the ground like they did against old miss because to jason's point you don't want to put we talked about all year long, oh, let's take the pressure off Bo Nix, but then Bo Nix repeatedly showed that he can be the focal point of the offense. You probably don't want TJ Finley's arm to be the focal point. You'd probably rather have him set up some explosive plays and, and lean on your guys like Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter because they haven't done too much the past few games. Yeah, it's definitely a problem with the running game, Nathan. Uh, you know, the last two games, Auburn hasn't run the ball well, and they've lost the last two games. And there's definitely a correlation there. Puts more pressure on your defense when you can't run the ball. Certainly puts more pressure on the passing game. Puts more pressure on the offensive line having to protect the quarterback. And it certainly diminishes the effectiveness of the play-action pass, which, which is a big part of what Auburn wants to do. So uh, uh, I'm curious to see how serious Auburn gets running the football against South Carolina. South Carolina is not great, but they're not awful either. But uh, I don't think it's going to take a lot of points to win this game unless there's something really unusual going on. South Carolina had 250 yards of total offense last Saturday against Missouri. Uh, and Missouri's defense is pretty much horrible. And uh, so that's – shows me that, you know, this is a game Auburn should be able to win. Of course, Auburn should have won the game last year up at Columbia. Uh, that team won two games, and Auburn found a way to lose at 30-22. Uh, big reason for that was three pass interceptions, but Auburn had a huge advantage in total yardage, but just didn't play real sharply, either offensively or defensively, when it needed to make plays. So uh, 
that was the first time Auburn lost a football game to South Carolina since 1933. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they lose back-to-back games, uh, back to, back-to-back seasons. I don't think Tigers will, but I mean, if they play as poorly on offense as they did at Texas A&M, or as poorly on defense as they played in the second half against Mississippi State, they can lose to anybody. Yep, it's like Jason said after the Mississippi State game: is the Jekyll and Hyde. You don't, you know, you never know what you're going to get from either side of the ball. We thought we knew on defense. Um, kind of sticking to that note, Jason, talking about this South Carolina offense. I think we do know that Auburn's defense, the body of work throughout the season, and really the last month and a half against teams not named Mississippi State, teams that don't run the air raid, that have more balanced systems. They've looked really, really good. So, so you know, your thinking might be that they can revert back to that this game, especially against South Carolina's now on its third quarterback of the season um, in Jason Brown, the, the FCS transfer. What can you tell us about what South Carolina looks like on that side of the ball? Um, and a little bit uh, a little bit diminished in terms of their rushing production from a team we might we might expect to be a little bit higher with a guy like Kevin Harris coming back. Yeah, it's really surprising when you look at, at the South Carolina offense to see them struggling to run the football <clears throat> when, uh, when they have – they've got as deep as – a deeper running back group as maybe anybody in the league. But they're averaging 128 yards rushing a game, which is incredible when you think about Tecondre Wright. Uh, Kevin Harris is in there. Um Marshawn Lloyd was a five-star running back coming out of high school. I mean, you know, this is a this is a team that's got some serious talent at the running back position. But you start, you know, looking at them and you go, you know, they're averaging 100, 128 yards rushing a game in conference play, 117 yards rushing a game. Um, they haven't run the ball, you know, very well against against winning teams this year. They played four winning teams. Uh, in those games, they're averaging 79 yards rushing a game. That's where you stand right now. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, if you're Auburn, that, this is a game where you have to win the line of scrimmage. You got to run the football, got to stop the run. Um, it's always important. Um, you do that against South Carolina unless you turn it over three more times and do those things like, as you did last year. You'd win the football game. It's, it's that simple. Um, this is not an explosive offense. Um, you mentioned Jason Brown, wide quarterback coming in from St. Francis, D2 quarterback. He's just over a 50% pass or somewhere around in there. This is not a game-breaking offense. This, to me, is similar to playing Texas A&M, but probably not as talented a group. Now, you're playing on the road, much like you did Texas A&M, but I, I think it's a similar type game. This, these are the games that this Auburn, offense, Auburn defense usually plays pretty well against. Um, you know, they, they don't do something different. It's not a – it's not a Mississippi State just going to throw it, you know, 55, 60 times. Um, it's not an old Miss team that's going to tempo you, do some of those things. Um, this is pretty straight ahead offensive team. I would expect Auburn's defense to come out and play pretty well. And, um, you know, the question is going to be, you know, how do they play? Um, you know, I think, you know, this could be a game where maybe you see Auburn play a little bit more of a traditional 4-3 um, maybe we see a little bit more of the those guys inside some, um, especially considering that, you know, of all the, the talk we, we've, we've, we've had, obviously with Bo Nix and, and with Anders Carlson, you know, that that horrific targeting call means T.D. Moultrie's out for the first half as well. So you start thinking about, you know, kind of how you line up, do those things. 
you know, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a guy like Romello Height back on the lineup. Some of those guys, maybe, maybe they're back this week um, to help out some, but I wouldn't also wouldn't be surprised to see Colby Wood maybe as a traditional defensive end, some to play Marcus Harris, play some size a little bit more up front this week to kind of offset what South Carolina wants to do, which is kind of, you know, run the football and maybe grind it out some. Yeah, 79 yards rushing against winning teams. You got to think something like that under 80 yards is going to give Auburn a really good chance to win the game. Now, last year in Columbia, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember the defense playing really well. They just always gave uh, gave that offense a short field. Like Mark <laughs> talked about three interceptions from Bo Nix. And I think Tank Bigsby had like a buck 50 or something like that. Or Kevin or Harris said it. Kevin Harris had 83 yards. We had a couple of yep. touchdowns. So, yep. um, yeah, defense played pretty well in that game. Um, I would expect him to, to play pretty well again on, on Saturday night. Yeah, and you're coming back down to earth, so to speak, from playing the air raid. Now you're talking about a very traditional balanced offense, 35 running plays a game to 29 passes on the season. So, like Jason mentioned, you can you can sort of get back and kind of flex out your defense and not have to worry about them throwing the ball almost 60 times a game. Um, like Mississippi State did. Mark, you know, something that that people praise TJ Finley for very often, Shane Beamer did so this week, his teammates have done so this week, is the strength of his arm, the ability to push the ball downfield. We sort of saw a slight resurgence. I wouldn't say slight. I mean, it's it pretty significant resurgence of explosive plays by that passing game um, against Mississippi State. Obviously, the, the big comeback sort of washed that away, but do you think they're going to have an ability to do that in this game down the field with a guy like TJ Finley? And then just overall, how, 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 how different is this passing game going to look with a guy like Knicks versus Finley and kind of the different ways that they throw the ball? Yeah, you're right about the explosive plays. I think Auburn had 12 of them in the passing game last Saturday against Mississippi state. And they had one um, at Texas A&M, a 15, just barely made the uh, level for being an explosive play of 15 yards. It was to the tight end in the third quarter, uh, Luke Deal. So, uh, you know, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't throw the ball mid-range to long. Uh, you got a quarterback who's got a terrific arm. He's 6'7", can stay over the pass rush. And, you know, one thing that um, I thought he did really well in the Georgia Southern game is, you know, he scrambled around a little bit out there and bought some time and uh, – and made some throws on the run. So he had a little bit of Bo Nix in him in that comeback against the Panthers. So uh, um, I do think um, it would be a lot easier for him to have a really good efficient game if the running game gets going. And, uh, you know, if South Carolina gets to really sort of pin their ears back and go after him a lot, that could be more of a problem. But uh, if Auburn's staying ahead of the change by getting some good yardage on first down, which it did beautifully against Mississippi State. Uh, they ended up scoring four touchdowns in the first quarter. They were horrible on first down plays in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, and the result was one touchdown. So that's certainly something to watch, and uh, they'll make T.J. Finley's life a lot easier if they can get four or five yards on first downs, whether it's a short pass um, or a running play. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, I'll just be intrigued overall to see what the game plan is um, with a new starter in for, like we've talked about before, it's it's been a long time. You have to go all the way back to the 2018 Music City Bowl, Jarrett Stidham's final game where he probably shot up a round and a half in the, in the draft because of his performance there um, for a game where Bo Nix was an Auburn's quarterback, 34 straight starts for him. Um, Jason, just how big of a deal is it or does it not matter at all? Just your opinion on like what Mark was talking about, that Georgia State comeback for a guy like TJ Finley and kind of not only the team, but I mean, just the fan base, Auburn overall, observing and seeing a guy like him capable of going in and energizing the team and leading them to a win. Because I do think he was more comfortable in that game, kind of just being himself. I think people have kind of forgotten his athletic ability because of that drive against LSU, what we've seen since then. It was so scripted it really seemed like he just wanted to get the ball out get where it needed to go you were still early in the game on a script um just how how much confidence does that give a guy like finley and just give auburn overall when you've already seen him go out there and do it it seems like he kind of he got the support of his teammates in that game he's not coming off the bench completely cold as a backup quarterback this late yeah i think it's it's one of the the more interesting narratives of this game too um you see it a lot of times where, where a guy comes in and there's nothing to lose and you just you just play and let it go when it's your game and you prepare, teams prepare for you, that makes it a little more difficult. I think it's, you know, no question it's a confidence boost for the players knowing, hey, look, this guy's already done it. We know he can do it. I do think it's tougher. I think it's I think it's much easier to kind of get thrown out there without having to think about it. Um, it's why often a lot of times when you see in baseball, um, the guy that's pitching, a lot of times they won't even tell him and just go, hey, by the way, you're starting, you know, go warm up, let's go, and, and don't give him time to think about it. Um, so I think it's a little more difficult when, you know, you go, Hey, okay, I got all week to think about this, but no question. I think it's a confidence boost that they've seen him do it. They've seen him do it in a game that was a clutch situation. Um, but I agree with you guys, you know, how, how you structure the offense, do something, how you come about it. Um, I just don't think even again, I don't think against even South Carolina, I don't think right now this team's good enough to just line up and hand the ball off and run it every first down. I just don't think they're good enough to do that. I think they're going to have to throw the football on first down, create some of those chunk plays to then take some of the pressure off and then run it. Um, I don't think this can be a team that can line up and run it 65 times and win a football game. I just don't think they're prepared to do that. Yeah, and that's what people wanted them to do last year at South Carolina when Chad Morris was calling a lot of passing plays. But now you're on the opposite end of that where your running game has not been as successful. But like we talked about before, this is – a run defense that has struggled kind of with the likes of Ole Miss and Auburn was able to have a good game there at home. You see if they can maybe do that on the road. It would certainly help out TJ Finley a lot. Um, Mark, how do you see this one playing out on Saturday? And do you think this Auburn team is good enough, has the bounce back 
to be able to go in there in a night game. A South Carolina team that is fighting for bowl, bowl eligibility, um, plenty of motivation on that other sideline. Are they good enough to go in there with a backup quarterback and uh, and avoid three straight losses? I think Auburn's good enough. I think South Carolina is probably either 12 or 13 in the SEC as far as overall talent. I think pretty much a wash with Missouri and Vanderbilt's at the bottom of that list. So, uh, you know, if Auburn just doesn't screw up, the Tigers should be able to win this game. And, uh, and uh, you know, I agree with Jason. It makes a little bit of sense to throw the ball some on first down and bury it up. And, you know, I thought Bobo called, like Bobo called a great game in the first half. Last week, I thought he called a pretty horrible game in the second half. And uh, so he'll be up in his comfort zone at Williams-Brice Stadium where he was offensive coordinator last year. Jason and I were in the press box right next to the coach's booth, and we could hear him calling plays and yelling and screaming at the sideline when things weren't going the way he wanted to. So that was kind of entertaining, to say the least. But uh, he ended up having an okay day against Auburn's defense last year. But uh, uh, I think he's got the better players this year going into this game. And, you know, I don't know if Auburn's going to have a huge offensive game, like 450 yards. But I don't think they're really going to need to do that because uh, South Carolina's offense is just not even average. It's below average. Yeah, that's a good point about Bobo last year. I think Harson has downplayed it a little bit. Bobo on Tiger Talk gave it a little bit of credit and just said that, you know, he's been talking in practice this week about specifically some of the better guys along that defensive front, how the offensive line should adjust to some of the things that they like to do, some of their tendencies. So, but at the same time, they know what Mike Bobo likes to do. So in those kinds of situations, it probably cancels out in the end. Um, Jason, what's your prediction for this game? And do you think Auburn's going to be able to get back at least a smidge of momentum heading into the Iron Bowl? Yeah, you know, I, I think Auburn has the best team. Uh, I think Auburn wins the game unless they you know, go up there and turn it over a bunch again. Um, I do think they have to avoid third and second, third and long situations with a a, a first time starter at quarterback um, with a South Carolina defense. The one thing they do well is they defend the pass and they they can get some interceptions. Um, you know, one of the better stories in football, Jalen Foster, a kid that I, I watched in high school, <clears throat> five <clears throat> five interceptions is really a ball hawk at, at safety. So, I think if you're Auburn, um, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, Luke Deal, um, Tyler Fromm, Schinker, those guys um, catch a lot of balls Saturday. I think that's where this team could be vulnerable. I think that's what um, T.J. Finley does well, um, that, that intermediate passing game, middle of the field. He can see those throws. They're going to be there, I believe. Um, so, um, I think 27-19 – I think I could, but I could see Auburn scoring 35 in this game if if they can get to run a game going a little bit. I think it's there's going to be some plays there. Can they make them? Uh, but hey, you know, as you guys said, Javarius Johnson, Shedrick Jackson, Demetrius Robertson, six or eight times in this game. Um, you know, if you get something rolling, hey, take a shot down the field. Um, I think there's going to be some opportunities there. So. Uh, I, you know, I think Auburn gets back on track and uh, can maybe build a little momentum heading in the Iron Bowl. Yeah, something we haven't talked about was that Finley made his first start at LSU last year against South Carolina, had maybe the best game of his freshman season. Obviously, a completely different team, completely different defensive system. 
Um, but it, you know, talked about today, Mike Bobo did talk about maybe gives him a little bit of confidence. And I did see some South Carolina fans um, on Twitter when Bo Nix got injured and talking about TJ Finley. They, some of them were joking around saying, okay, great. Now this again, because last year was the same exact thing. Brennan goes out, Finley comes in and carves him up. Um, yeah, I don't think Finley has to have a spectacular day, but I do think, like we said, he he does have to avoid um, an abundant amount of mistakes. I think, you know, two first half turnovers or something like that, that's going to put you in a bit of trouble. But um, I think they'll they'll have a pretty safe game plan for him. I do think Auburn will be able to run the football. Like we talked about, this is a bit of a susceptible run defense. I think they will, they'll be able to do it better, but I don't think they'll have a spectacular run game um, in this one, but I don't think they'll need to. Um, South Carolina doesn't have the kind of firepower on offense. I think Auburn, if they can score in the mid-20s, maybe even low-20s, they'll probably get this game in the bag. And I think that on both sides of the ball, the best unit on the field at any point of the four is Auburn's defense. And I think that's going to be kind of the key to, which is a little bit, you know, if you looked at them last week and what they did against Mississippi state, you might scratch your head, but really their body work throughout the season, they've been a really strong unit. So if they can get back to that um, and be able to, to play the kind of game they want on the defensive side of the ball, I've got Auburn winning this one 24 to 17. So we'll see what happens. I think this will be a, a common upset pick this week just people across the sport across the sec will be looking at this game and saying night game bowl eligibility whatever you know it's going to be a big it's going to be a a, you know a fired up stadium it's always a good place to play against the backup quarterback and a team that's on a two-game skid and so you've certainly got some storylines there so we'll see if auburn's able to avoid those and get the victory obviously all three of us picking auburn to do so so thank you guys so much for listening to this edition of the roundtable podcast if you guys enjoyed it please leave us a five-star review wherever you guys listen to your podcast that's the number one thing that helps us out the intro and outro bumper music is by beats by mordecai you guys can find them on twitter soundcloud instagram and we will hit you guys up after the game with a recap show and until then everybody have a great weekend enjoy the game and we'll talk to y'all later